mini episodes. You guys are just like, hey, everybody. <laughs> so this is Carolyn Elliott, and I am here with Layla Bernard, and also with the lovely Hannah Johnson. I'm sweet. Yeah, illustrator. And uh, <laughs> we just recorded an episode, but you know what? We got more. Yeah, so we're on the porch still. And uh, we were just talking about one of our favorite books, which is The Middle Pillar by uh. Israel Rigardi. And Layla is reading it because she's preparing to teach on the middle pillar in the membership that uh, I run, which is currently called Wealth and is changing to Rubedo. Um, so you should definitely check it out if you love what we do. And uh, we were just talking about how Israel Rigardi was such a phenomenal genius who like saw the interconnections between like Jungian psychology and hermetic magic and laid it out real plain for people. Very plainly in this like little book. I mean, it's what, 120 pages? Uh-huh. It's just re- and like large font. It's... Tell them about it, Layla. Tell them about the middle pillar. So, yeah, so I'm reading about the middle pillar. That's why I was on about equilibration in the last one, too. It's really all coming together. Well, real quick, I I feel like I should say the middle pillar is one of the the primary exercises of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. So the middle pillar and the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram and keeping a magical diary slash alchemical journal um, is, like, the very important, amazing entry-level work in the golden dawn and in rubedo in and so in our community in our community in our in our religion and in, in our religion wink, wink, it's, what, it's what we do <laughs> um yeah so and the purpose of those rituals and the middle pillar the purpose of the middle pillar is to really expand your awareness of these fields of consciousness that exist in you and macrocosmically in the universe and the mind of god and um so that's the magical purpose. And what got us recording this podcast was I was saying, my God, this, you know, Israel Regardi, like, really spells it out very plainly that, like, psychology and analysis of the psyche and magic are, you know, they need each other. You cannot proceed in magic. You can't expand your consciousness into these celestial realms without first clearing out the cobwebs of your conscious psyche and unblocking the kinks in the hose from your unconscious. And likewise, I feel in psychology, like psychology for men, like I'm sure that many people who are listening to this podcast have also read their fair share of psychology, maybe even our psychologists, therapists, counselors themselves. Ooh, I love me some like, therapists. Don't we all, oh, right? Yeah. Like, but like there's something kind of empty about psychology because since we treat it like a science and it has to be divorced from the divine, there's really nowhere for people to go with their psyche. Like you can spend endless hours picking it apart, picking it apart, picking it apart, dissecting it. But that's just something that your rational mind likes to do on its hamster wheel (laughs) in its little monk's cell of your cranium. And that is never really going to take you into a greater state of bliss or understanding or mastery of life because it doesn't teach you where to go with the insights that you gain from the excavation that you do. And so really like magic is what you do with yourself once you have figured out why the fuck you were doing all that weird shit. Yeah, and so if you think about it, so what I think is interesting, when I read The Middle Pillar, um, 
one of the things that popped into my mind when Rigardi was talking about the necessity of doing psych- psychological analysis and like becoming aware of your neurotic patterns, your avoidances, your attachments, your shadowy stuff is like analysis literally means the same thing as solve. So solve at coagula, the fundamental moves of alchemy. When we analyze, we are dissolving. dissolving. Um, We are putting laser attention on and separating out and seeing like, okay, this is a crazy, this is a nutty town thing that I do. (laughs) This is a weird thing that I believe because of what happened to me when I was five. And you start to look at that. And that is a solve process. And I just want to say here that if you are doing all that analysis without solving it because you didn't know, that's okay. But you can stop immediately. Like, I hear so many people, like, having breakthrough after breakthrough and then going back into the muck and being like, no, there must be more to dissect, more to dissect, more to dissect. Or, like, they go into, you know, healing spaces to see their trauma and then are just like, oh... That's the story. Mm-hmm. Oh, the purpose of seeing those stories is to allow them to be and to recognize their ultimate falseness and to solve them. Yeah. Like, I think sometimes we get lost in just discovering them without, because we don't have the magical context, without remembering that to analyze is to dissolve. Yeah. So when I read The Middle Pillar for the first time, it was really interesting experience for me because... Um, I had already read a ton of Jung, who uh, Rigardi is also in dialogue with, and I had already, um, you know, written about existential kink, which is very inspired by Jung's famous statement, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will rule your life and you will call it fate. And so I had developed existential kink as like my way of like making my unconscious shadow patterns conscious with lots of uh, pleasure and approval. And what was struck me so much is Rigardi talks about the ritual of the middle pillar, where what you're doing is you're visualizing uh, various spheres on the tree of life and aligning them with your body. You're basically like putting the tree of life into your body um, and chanting the names of God and the archangels associated with those spheres. He was like, you are making the unconscious conscious because the divine, the supraconscious, is also unconscious from the perspective of right Your our little ordinary grasping animal self. Yeah, our little ordinary inner monologue is <laughs> generally unconscious of God's the God nature, right? So when you're doing the middle pillar every day, what you're doing is deliberately consciously like connecting remembering up remembering you are remembering that oh yeah my body is a microcosm of the whole fucking universe this whole map of divine consciousness that is the tree of life oh yeah that actually that is, is me so you're i'm 100 main- that bitch yeah <laughs> <laughs> turns out <laughs> i just took a dna test <laughs> did my gene keys Turns out I'm 100% the godhead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got boy problems. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the human in me. Bling, bling, that that's I solve them. That's, that's the, the goddess, goddess in, in me. me. Oh, Lizzo, we love you, Lizzo. <laughs> She's obviously a saint. <laughs> Truly. And so um, 
that's what you're we're doing with the middle pillar. Well, see, I love that, Carolyn, because it's like existential kink and like you know analysis is the solve part of making the unconscious mm-hmm. conscious. It's like making conscious these false patterns mm-hmm. in order to let them go, and the middle pillar is making conscious these true facts and being willing to take them on and coagulating them into your body and into your regular awareness yeah damn it's amazing making the unconscious conscious in both directions both directions bitches double dildo making the unconscious (laughs) conscious (laughs) you know what i'm saying from as above so below as within so without just back and forth just fucking back and forth here, yeah. in the, here in the realm of duality, you got to go both ways. You know, we all have to be these kinky, hermaphroditic, bisexual freakazoids who like get full on emptiness. Because literally, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Take that in for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I think we should end it there. <laughs> I mean, that that was a peak moment. Let's see how mic drop, mic drop. <laughs> I feel like I feel like you got more in you, Layla. I mean, as peak as that was, I actually well, feel like we, we have some other territory. Maybe, maybe if we make more hot cocoa. <laughs> yeah. I should, we should mention that we are totally wasted on hot cocoa right now. Hot cocoa and kava. We're just drunk on the drugs of the new Aeon, as usual. Would, could I ask one of you to pretty please put the water on and yeah, I'll try I'll to go, say yeah, some yeah, more? Yeah, oh, yeah. thank you. So, uh, thank you, Hannah. Um... Hannah's hanging out, being our live audience, drawing, being cool, so good. So, um, the, okay, so making the unconscious conscious. In both directions. Both directions. In duality. Just riding it. Just, oh. That's, uh, that's what magic is. And it's not that hard, everybody. It's, It's, you can do it. Well, and you know, that was another thing, Carolyn, that I was, that I was thinking as I was reading this Israel Regardie book, like. You're the you're the smart one. When was that book published? Oh, um, okay. So I know approximate the, year. I think the night. I think it was the nineteen fifties, maybe because he was in Stella Matutina in the nineteen thirties. Okay. So I don't know. I have to don't quote talking, me on we're that. We're talking like seventy years ago now. Yeah, yo, okay. a long time ago. So he in this book he's writing about how like the student of magic should apply himself every day to doing this for several times a day for several weeks at a time and many months and you have to do it. And I want to say that, um, our generation's consciousness has ADHD and we are all on this like crazy accelerating curve of like expansion and like self-knowledge, like this explosion of humans, this explosion of internet consciousness is really like, opening us up so that our consciousness is not the same kind of consciousness that they had in 1950. So he's making it sound hard, but I think that the veil is thinner, my friends, and really like doing it daily, you know, for the most part really opens us up because we are so much more close to that hive, you know, like collective awareness of each other now than we were before yeah well and so um i know that a daily practice even can be daunting for a lot of people and i really understand because boy did i resist daily practices for a long time and the thing about the middle pillar is uh it's fun 
and the LBRP is fun it's too. Super fun. And it'll take you a little bit to learn it. And there's videos on YouTube; they abound. But if you, you ask can do really it. nice, maybe like I'll make one because I do love making videos for people. It is great. And so the thing is, is, and this is what we do in wealth, which is becoming Rubedo. Um, we do these daily practices. And part of a little plug here, um, part of what's so cool about Rubedo is being in a community and a forum and live events with other people who are working on these things and will help you with the finer points and will share their experiences. And, and know what you're talking about when you're like, hey, whoa, I was doing this thing this morning mm-hmm. and I had this shift in my experience. Yeah, but just like Layla is talking about, like the first time I read The Middle Pillar, I think I was in high school because my dad is a weird occultist and had it on his shelf and I read it and I was like, oh, this sounds so weird and hard. I'm reading your copy with your dad's highlight in <laughs> yeah, it, actually. It's yeah. like very sweet. Yeah. And, um, and I've, you know, I forgot about it. But the, uh, where was I? Um, it's, as it turns out, it's actually a really fast thing like yes. it's fucking fast it right. is the lightning path of well, the western esoteric truly i mean even if israel regardi is not being a like stodgy old guy speaking to us from 70 years ago you know from before the like acceleration of the curve of insane explosion in the world even if he's right and you have to do it you know every day for three months that is still fast. That's very fast, everybody, in terms of uh, waking yourself up spiritually, coming online and in, into lucidity. That's fucking fast. Also, <laughs> by the way, from my own experience, you can totally skip some days. And like, <laughs> if you, um, like, uh, there's been many times, like, I have a pretty regular practice now just because I like it. I find it fun. Yeah. It centers me. It's good. But um, there's been many times when I've went, like, days or even weeks without doing the practices and then like pick them up again and guess what they still fucking worked in about a year which is the time frame that they're supposed to work they dramatically changed my experience my consciousness and put me way more into my heart and way more into my awareness of my connection with the underlying throbbing orgasming grieving crystalline field of god um it's true it's true it's i mean enter at your own risk people you know like do not come into the cave unless you really want to feel your heart just like broken in the best best way because it will happen yeah yeah i I think we're mixing metaphors a bit because we talk about plato's cave sometimes well there's lots of caves. i'm talking about about the palm springs cave because that's like my favorite modern hermetic masterpiece but uh we'll have to have a whole conversation about (sighs) palm springs but the um the the thing uh so the middle pillar um gives us access that we may not have previously had and um and it is it does the thing that psychology would like to do which is get wholesome like make whole make make whole. whole the psyche and 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 really like psychology in its scientificness and like sort of clinical atheism lacks the guiding star of what the middle pillar is not i don't want to say teaching is like making conscious you know is making aware is making manifest and those two things together are like whoa we are living in an unprecedented time like i'm also thinking like as i'm reading that book and thinking about israel regardi like 
you know, in the 1950s, like most people had not psychoanalyzed themselves. But like what person listening to this podcast is not aware at least a little bit of what a fucked up neurotic bag of mess they are? You know, like we all are much more aware of that now. So we're all a little bit more conscious of our unconscious than we were. We're already more permeable. And I'm thinking about like, God, our magical forebears, Carolyn, like in the distant past, like they must have had to just like chant the shit out of those names of God to try and get it to break through all of the weird conditioning because they perhaps just didn't even have this language of psych of the psyche to like really go through the muck. I hear you. Yeah. Another interesting thing with reading the middle pillar is I feel like Rigardi really, as much as he makes such beautiful connections and like tells you it, you know, it helps you with healing and helps you with all these things. I feel like he kind of undersells it, you know? He doesn't um, give the sexed-up version because it was common in the style even that... So, for thousands of years, magicians being persecuted were kind of like, all right, we'll, we'll write down the practice, we'll tell our student the practice, maybe, but uh, we're not going to make it sound really great because, you know this is hard, dangerous stuff, it's and like we, we don't talking, want to attract too many people. It's like we were talking about in the last episode. Like, if our having this levels are, like, blown and we're telling people that we're, like, getting off on, you know, pure bliss, just sipping from, like, the universe, they're going to come for us. They're going to attack us because that's what the crabs do. They try and pull you back down into the bucket. Yeah, so I feel like the general ethos... Um, so even Rigardi was a giant... He encountered giant blowback because he did the bold move of publishing the papers of the Golden Dawn, which had been a secret society. And lots of other members were super mad at him when he just like went ahead and published it. But he was like, um, hey, you all are kind of being infighting little bitches and you're not really getting it. And I actually really get it. And I'm actually going to publish it and let this out into the world so that other people who can really get it will get it. (laughs) And... So he did that super bold... um, He made the unconscious occult stuff available to the world. And we all owe him a great debt for that. Thank you. And basically started off... uh, Yeah, the whole occult scene that we have now arose from that move that Rigardi did. Thank you, brother IR. Mm -mm. And so it's interesting to think about that even in that boldness, you know, he was still kind of making it not super sexy because I think from that still thousands of years of like, you know, we need to not um, make this too attractive or else we'll get the authorities coming down on us if they really realize what it can do and we need to, you know, can't really trust people to understand. And so uh, I think that part of the service that I see you and I doing, Layla, (laughs) is uh, just being crazy enough to be like, no, yeah, actually, actually, it is super sexy. Actually, I'm not really going to lie. Like, <laughs> it will turn you on. It will actually really make it so that you can't be turned off. <laughs> actually, beware. <laughs> High voltage. <laughs> danger, danger. <laughs> um, yeah, it's hot. I mean, that middle pillar every morning when I do it, I just get so turned on. I just get so, like amazed and like oh carolyn like all summer we were doing uh the lesser vanishing ritual of the pentagram in your front yard like in front of all your neighbors going to school and like walking around and stuff and i have to say that like if your ego needs to get online with doing the lesser vanishing ritual of the pentagram 
it just makes you look witchy and cool as fuck. <laughs> like, that is reason enough to do it. And, like, yes, it will help you transcend your ego, but you don't have to tell it that. <laughs> just tell it how cool it's going to look when it, like, is drawing these amazing pentagrams and, like, chanting these amazing words. You're going to look so badass. It's true. And it was what's funny is, like, <laughs> lots of my, like, little old lady neighbors would come up and be like, oh, what was that? what was that meditation you were doing, honey? That was so interesting. And then I would just stand there and like, look at them and be like, um, it's called the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram. (laughs) Well, and I was like, I was even like laughing to myself doing it too, being like, oh my gosh, I hope no one thinks that we're like Satanists or something. But how could they think that? All we're doing is chanting names of God out here. They can't think that. No. Because they hear the angels' names. Right. I mean, Raphael. Gabriel. (laughs) I mean, yeah, we're like, we're just, we're just calling the angels in there. Like, how could they not? You, you know what it love. is, my my Christian friends. It's yeah. the angels, and yeah. how it's, it's gorgeous. Peace of God. God's yeah. peace be with exactly. you. Exactly, because that's funny, too, <laughs> because I thought I felt I had the same anxiety stepping out into the yard and drawing the pentagrams. I was like, oh, man, everybody's going to think I'm a big, evil bastard. But then as we were standing there, I'm like, these are... Yeah, these are the names of God. These are the names of the angels. This is wholesome AF. This is, like, the most <laughs> wholesome, prayerful beautiful thing you can do is being like god's will be done in this world through me i pick it up mm-hmm. i will do it mm-hmm. i'm grabbing the wand of my spine i'm taking it by the hand and doing as god will with it yeah you know when you say that like um i'm i'm doing it i'm doing god's will it reminds me of the bodhisattva vow which is um sometimes talked about as a heroic commitment it's like being like okay well there's suffering in the world and rather than, and they're suffering in me, and rather than waiting for somebody else to save me, I'm going to choose myself as the hero here of this story. And um, I'm going to find a way to wake up out of this suffering and, and help others wake up. And that's the same thing with magic is that's what you're doing. It's very deeply heretical from the conventional perspective because it is uh, aligning yourself with God rather than staying in like a separate groveling sheep position. Right. Um, so you are heretically, you're picking up the scepter and you're putting on the robe and you're being like, I will do it. I will perform the ritual. And that's, and ironically, that's what Jesus did. Oh God. What would Jesus do? <laughs> what would he do indeed? Identify himself fully with God. That's what he would do. Yeah. So that's what you can, we go can make all a mess. Too. Go make a whole mess. <laughs> Big old mess. <laughs> Fuck up everybody's life around you. <laughs> and get talked about for thousands of years. Leave a legend. You know, that. Yeah, I feel like that's absolutely. a whole other episode. That's a whole other thing. All right, I think we got to our classical twenty-minute mark, twenty-three minutes even. I think we just we have we have so much to share with you all. We love you so much. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been the Sleepover Podcast, and you're awesome. Please leave a review, subscribe, tell your friends, share your favorite episode with your friends. It'll right. make their day. They're all good. Yeah. <laughs> bye bye.